and it's hard to navigate because I know people aren't mind readers. None of us are, but I just wish that, you know, we all have our phones on us all the time. Google is at the tip of our fingers. And I just wish that people, if you cared so much that you should Google, you know, how to support someone through a miscarriage, what to say, what not to say. And I've had to vocalize that to family members. Um, and it's been hard because I just, I guess I just expected them to do that. We Google everything else in life. We Google how, how to do X, Y, Z, how to do this, how to do that, what, what to do for this. But we can't Google what to say to someone during a miscarriage or how to support someone through a miscarriage. We're back with part two, navigating miscarriage with Maria. I think she's just a really special person. and I think she's dealt with a lot and I really love how open she is around not only her struggle with infertility but just the thoughts around miscarriage how it's impacted her relationship herself how she intends to move forward with her life after miscarrying Um, and i also just really appreciate her determination to really find an answer for herself Um, so for anyone dealing with miscarriage wanting to know how to support a friend a family member um, who are experiencing miscarriages Um, this episode's for you. I hope you all take something away from it because I definitely did. Um, Here is Maria. So thank you so much, Maria, um, for choosing to step forward to talk a lot about miscarriages and kind of how to navigate that emotionally, mentally, whether it be with your spouse or partner or just yourself in general. So I really, really appreciate you coming on to discuss this topic because I think it has a lot of stigma around it. Thank you. Thank you for having me um, again for another episode on your podcast. And um yeah, it's not an easy thing to navigate. It's very lonely, very isolating. Um, and uh, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still in my journey. Like, I think that grief doesn't have a timeline. And I feel like um, as long as I'm living, I'm going to be grieving my children and my losses. Um, they were very much wanted and, um, and planned for. So I think that um no matter how much time passes by like there's always going to be that grief that sadness um and then you know some days are better than others and then of course you know when you hit certain certain times of the year whether it's a holiday or the around the time you would be you would have been due or when you lost etc um those i those all kind of bring all those different emotions kind of right back as if it just happened. So, um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to come back to share my own experience on um, things that were said to me that, uh, you know, weren't very kind or weren't supportive. And of course these people who are closest to me, like they don't know because they don't, Um, they haven't gone through it, but, uh, that doesn't mean it's any less hurtful. And so I kind of just wanted to share the things to how to support someone going through this, whether you are a family member, a friend, um, you know, infertility and loss changes you completely. I'm not the same person as I was before. I'm still learning how to, live and love the new version of me and it's hard it's hard on some days um 
especially especially when others just don't understand and so that's um that's a lot of it too and it's just learning how to live and love that new version of your life and the new person that you are because you do you do change you are not the same person uh, oftentimes you're like it, it, this, there's this category you before loss and you after loss and um sadly you you are you, you do change throughout this process yeah so tell us a little bit about navigating or how to navigate those conversations around miscarriage whether people know you were trying to have a child and asking when you having kids or whether it be after the fact of someone saying, where's the baby or how's the pregnancy going if you've lost the pregnancy? Yeah, and I can only speak on my own experience. I was in both pregnancies I lost in the first trimester, so not many people knew we were pregnant to begin with, um, like a lot of family friends. And there's people that probably still don't even know. Um, uh, and it's kind of who I've chosen to share with, share what and with, and like how much of the story with certain people. Um, but I will say like, even it's a sucker punch to the gut because we were at church one day um, and a friend of mine who doesn't know anything of my story has, has zero clue um, saw my two nephews. I, I now have two nephews from on my side of the fence and uh, saw my two nephews, my sister's kids. And, uh, looked at me and was like, oh, where are yours? Assuming that because I've been married for three years now that, you know, where are my kids? Like, um, like, am I pregnant? Am I, you know, you know, all those kinds of things. And it was a sucker punch to the gut. I didn't even know what to say. I, thankfully, like the conversation um, was redirected somehow, but uh, later in, later at that point, I, I did go up to him and tell him, you know, I do want to tell you something, you, you know, you, you oh, a little bit ago, you asked me where my children were and basically kind of go beating around the bush and asking like, you know, asking those questions like, where are mine? When am I going to have kids? This, that, and the other. And I flat out told them like, I'm not trying to like slap your hand. I'm not trying to like make you feel bad or anything, but I just want to let you know that I've suffered two miscarriages and in the last, um, at this point, like last year and a half and you know, it hasn't been easy. And I just wanted to let you know. And he was like, Oh, he apologized. He was so, you know, apologetic and so sorry for not only, you know, the comment that he made, but also for, you know, the losses. And basically, like I said, I wasn't trying to like make him feel bad or slap his hand or anything like that for it. But I was just, it was more of an, of an educational standpoint because he is my around the same age or, you know, same generation as I am. And, you know, I just, I guess I just expected someone of my generation to, you know, know that you shouldn't ask those questions because you just truly don't know what other people are going through even even if you are you know inquisitive i mean we, we all are we all are like oh you know they got married like what's next kids you know traveling whatever and so like we're all, we all have inquisitive minds and, and questions but when it comes to something so personal and so hard as to um sometimes starting your family those are kind of questions that are um hard to navigate and it's for me it was really hard in the moment to 
be truthful and 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 say the truth like flat out in that moment or do I kind of just lie and come up with some type of answer like oh you know like in the next few years or you know we're thinking about it or whatever whatever kind of answer you know you can come up with in the moment um so that was hard hard for me too trying to trying to navigate that yeah you know I actually commend you for being pretty blunt and straightforward because I think a lot of times at least my own experience has been women stifle themselves and don't speak up because I think we're you know typically told to be docile or just agree with whatever you know and so I feel like it helps us emotionally sometimes to release things and just be flat out honest um, in the situation. So do you feel like that helped you in that regard? Or what did you feel like? Do you think it would have been better for you just to lie now looking back? Like, what do you think about it? No, I don't think it's, I mean, I, I think certain people are kind of on a need to know basis. I mean, he's not, this, this individual is definitely not somebody that I consider like he like I would tell everything too but I feel like in the moment like at some point people are gonna know right um you know I'm hoping that you know when we are pregnant again you know I'm more willing to be more public with our story like on social media platforms and stuff um and so this is like even people might say well why are you doing a podcast well I can still kind of maintain some level of um privacy with with a podcast versus you know plastering it all over my social media um but uh at some point people will know and i want people to know i want to educate and that's kind of the whole purpose of even doing the podcast is to educate to speak from my own experience to try to help me heal and to honor my kids because it's it's not easy navigating something so intimate in your life when people can't see um you know mother's day and father's day is very hard because people even those that know some don't acknowledge um even if they don't feel like we're parents like at least you know send a text saying hey i'm thinking about you today i know today is hard and so it's very hard to validate something you can't see so that's another like i said kind of reasoning why speaking out and and telling the whole story and telling the truth um even in that moment of you know telling that the truth to somebody um to me is very impactful and um like i said it's not not for pity it's not for sympathy it's not to like punish you that you said the wrong thing it's more of educating and hopefully in the future you won't say something like that without knowing it's one thing to ask questions if you're somebody who knows the whole story like if you're a trusted friend and you're kind of like hey like you know i was thinking about you just wanted to like check in and see you know what's going on with you know your your treatment plan or um, where you guys are at like and if and if I feel like talking about it then I'll, I'll share but um so it's one thing to be like an outsider and have zero clue on what's going on and then ask and then be somebody who does know and asking those questions and checking in yeah um I can definitely understand where you're coming from or at least empathize sympathize with the situation and how have you handled as far as blaming yourself or 
the thoughts of like you not being able to have a child um like your body not being able to have a child like emotionally for yourself how has it been um because there's a lot of things that have been said that um kind of kind of coincide with self-blame um for instance like on more than one occasion comments about my weight have been said implying that that was the cause of my losses and i it's not because i've discussed it with my physicians even prior to starting on this journey of trying and during our losses um and and my self-blaming period um so i mean i i still have a big hunch that progesterone might be my issue and i just need to have supplementation um so that's kind of why we're hoping to try again and do another um the good old old fashioned way of trying um for another when we're ready but for another six months and if that doesn't if nothing comes from that then we will consult with our physicians and um, seek treatment and figure out a new plan. But for now, uh, we're kind of just riding this wave of just trying to work on us, have us time and um, kind of work on healing, at least for me. And, um, and then when we're ready to, to get to that place, like I said, I'm hoping this summer or even in the fall, we can um we'll get back on on that uh on the horse on on trying again yeah i mean it's um it's got to be a lot to navigate and i think one of the difficulties is like with anything you go through is like the separation i think with you that you have with a lot of people around you not only because they don't understand things that are said and just not feeling obligated necessarily to be at things or do things that you don't want to do. I know you and I were talking about that um, offline. And so I just wanted to expand on that conversation a little bit about like some lessons and things that you've learned after the fact, like coming out of these miscarriages of like kind of how you've grown as a person or look at life a little differently. I mean, I think that we're all we're all human and um I've learned that um, while we all, all are human and have these different tendencies, you know, and things that might not be okay or the right thing to do, judging is very easy to do when you, you're not placed in the situation. And that goes for anything. So I think for me, learning to be a little less judgmental <laughs> on certain, with certain things, um, <clears throat> is something that I've, I'm starting to learn um, because it's very easy for somebody on the outside to look at me and judge me and say, <clears throat> um, you know, she, oh, she's, she's to herself. She's not as um, vocal on social media. And I wonder why. And it's very, like, I've had several people come to my, uh, to, come up to people in my family saying oh like is everything okay because like she hasn't really posted on social media and I'm thinking to myself okay well that's that's it's funny when people when you post too much and people like sit there and say oh you're you're an over poster and over share or whatever like crap gets talked about you and then when you kind of stop posting or you're not as present all the time you know because you need you need that break people still talk so it's kind of funny to me um 
Uh, I did definitely did take a social media break. Uh, I'm still kind of on that break somewhat. Uh, I don't post as much because I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I have a lot to share and I'm, you know, I've definitely muted a few people, um, not because I hate them, but because my heart hurts. I can't, it, it's really hard sometimes to see kids or babies. Um, and I mean, I, there, there are, there are certain individuals I haven't muted with children, um, because those individuals are the ones who have really like checked in on me the most. And, um, so it, it's kind of, it's a, it's a hard thing to navigate, uh, when certain people come up to you and say, oh, well, you don't, you know, why do you like other people's posts and not mine or whatever? And it's like, it's not, it's not a personal thing. It's, it's more of like, well, I mean, I guess it is kind of personal, but it's not because I hate you. It's because I just, I just, I, I can't, I just can't right now. And, um, it's because of the things that I've gone through. Yeah, I um, can definitely relate to that. And I think it's a lesson that I personally had to learn. I talk about it in my own episode of just stopping. I mean, it's always going to be where we care what people think, you know, but I think I've pissed off a lot of people based on, you know, not wanting to be around them or be at certain things because of my own emotional stress. And I think I've just learned like you you and your husband, me, my husband, my family is my priority and my mental health. And, you know, you've got to put yourself first in a lot of times because I think it can be a little too much. You know, we're stretching ourselves a little too much. Um, What do you think about grief counseling? I know that's something that you've explored and like, you know, some options post, you know, experiencing the things that you've experienced, like... How do you think that that's helped you in any way to navigate miscarriage and help with your relationship? But, um, it took me a while to even explore counseling. Um, at one point, like like I said, I think I don't know if I I think I mentioned it in my previous episode on online. Um, my husband and I explored couples counseling, and it was great for us because we were getting to the point where you know, we just weren't really communicating effectively and efficiently. I am, uh, I am one of those people that like, if we're having a conversation or an argument, like, or a disagreement, like I want to hash it out, like that right then and there where my husband is completely opposite. Like if things are getting escalated, he would rather like, let's take a 10 minute break from each other and, um, like cool down and reconvene where I am the complete opposite. And so, uh, we definitely needed those tools to kind of help us kind of get back to that, that place where we were, you know, prior to the losses. I recently have explored grief counseling. So we stopped with the couple therapist just because that was more like an overview of like marriage and family therapy not really not really completely specialized in grief let alone like infertility miscarriage type grief so i have just recently explored um that that uh avenue of counseling so i'm still kind of fresh into that so i'm not really i really don't have an answer as to how that's helped because i've only had like two or three sessions That's totally, yeah, that's totally fair. You know, I think that that's, it's an option, right, that's out there. And I'm sure um, 
Yeah. And I think that's completely valid to say, like, I'm not ready to, you know, fully answer if you don't really have a full experience with it. How would you say? I do think that people should explore that if that's something that um, is afforded to them. Like if they can find somebody, um, you know, find a counselor, you know, unfortunately, things like this sometimes are out of pocket. So you do have to, you know, your insurance is not may not cover certain things. So that might be, um, you know, an issue for some people as well. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, because things are super expensive, and insurance always isn't covering those. Um, So let's talk a little bit about advocating for yourself and you know the topic around that around miscarriage and in the healthcare system of like how properly to advocate for yourself what advice would you give to someone navigating you know their second miscarriage and trying to figure out like what's wrong with me what do I do like how would they advocate for themselves emotionally and physically well as far as the healthcare setting i would definitely push for testing i like i said in my in the previous episode i feel that uh, i learned that acog um, does not or does not recommend testing until a third loss and i find that to be absolutely ridiculous um i looked at like i said i looked at my doctor and i said you want me to go through three losses lose three pregnancies three babies to get tested absolutely not like that's not happening um and thankfully i didn't have to put up a fight like that's all i had to say and she looked at me and she's like i agree let's do it um but if you don't have that experience i would say get another provider as emo- as like daunting as that might be as it's such an emotional state like you're like i don't you don't even know if you should make the left turn or right turn, you know, go straight, whatever. Um, I think part of advocating for yourself is also getting that second opinion. Um, if you, if you feel like you need it, um, I'm also potentially exploring a functional medicine doctor. Those are very, those are very expensive as well. They're out of pocket. I had a free consult, um, and I sent over my lab work that I've done thus far, but um, I'm trying to also save up for that for the next uh, appointment, which is like four hundred dollars, like for a two two hour appointment, and then two hundred dollars thereafter. So it's kind of pricey, but I I kind of want to do it just to um just to see kind of seek out a second opinion um and see what they have to say. They're not they're not uh, Western medicine doctors. They take more of a holistic approach to things, and I've it's been suggested to me by numerous family friends to maybe seek that out as an as a potential second opinion like you know more in-depth um blood work or hormone panels etc what is functional medicine maria like tell us a little bit about that for someone listening that may be like what is yeah, that like i said they're more they are definitely out of pocket um like i said um they are not i don't know a whole lot about functional medicine doctors you can look them up online but they i from what i do know they definitely are not they're not your standard like western medicine doctors they take more of a holistic approach with um you know, oils and herbs and um, things of that nature. Uh, Like I said, I think I have a progesterone issue. And based on my like free consult that I had with them, um, excuse me, they seem to think that I might be on that, that might be what it is. Um, But until I can actually get in and um, 
have a more in-depth appointment with them um, in person, they won't be able to like really figure it out for me. So again, that's kind of where uh, <laughs> I'll be probably nav- looking into that more in detail in a few months. Like I said, I, I want to save up a little bit of cash for that because the initial appointment is like four hundred dollars. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think it's good to explore their avenues and get out of Western medicine in some regards too sometimes because it may not have like, right, all the answers. We kind of fit into a box um, in a lot of ways. Um, So tell me about what do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned like about yourself going through something like this? Um, Definitely that my stubbornness and my type A personality has kind of paid off in a way because like I said, um, during my nine week journey of waiting for my period to return post DNC, I did a lot of research um, when I couldn't sleep um, throughout the work day when like my day was a little slower. Um, I would research and research and I would phrase different things like phrase pretty much the same thing in Google, like but phrase it a different way. So different things would pop up so maybe i could read more or learn more about something um <clears throat> and also um following different accounts like on instagram for example there's so many different accounts that you can follow um and you learn so much um about other people's stories or you know what they've been diagnosed with so like when I did my blood work, there was a, it's a, there's a standard set of things that, you know, the doctor is going to uh, order for your blood work. And like, like I followed some, some girl on Instagram where one, her issue was antiphospholipid syndrome, which is um, kind of a, it, it would be a reason why, you know, her, she, she had miscarriages. And so I learned a little bit about that. And then, um, you know, I don't have that, that disorder or that, that issue, but that is something that a doctor would, um, you know, order a uh, lupus anticoagulant blood serum, like all these different things that, um, you kind of start to read and learn about, um, as to potentially why this happened. And for us as of now, uh, there isn't a reason. Um, the one thing we have not done, which I would like to do, but I'm kind of also, waiting um if we if we had to do a, like fertility treatment um the one thing we haven't done is i have not had my we have not had my husband's sperm tested so that is something that i know some people have told me like you should probably go and do that um but i think we're just kind of waiting waiting it out right now yeah that's completely fair i um i talked to another person about miscarriage and i know that's a avenue they explored after three miscarriages which makes sense now that the because ACOG is suggesting that you don't do any testing till the the third miscarriage which I think is ridiculous I think after the first is probably a, a good thing to to maybe navigate but then again at the first like I was kind of naive because after the first one I was kind of like okay it's the first like this you know this happens like surely i'm not gonna have another and you know how how wrong i was um but that's kind of your the the, i think the naive part about us as a patient and even the doctors they're kind of like 
you know, oh, you know, it is normal. It, it can happen. Like, you know, just try again. And, you know, we tried again and we, we were successful, but lo and behold, we experienced another, another loss. Yeah. I mean, it's horrible. I'm really, you know, we all go through stuff in our life, you know, but this is one I think that's really difficult because I think it really questions like who we are as women, you know, in a lot of ways, in a sense of like going through anything around pregnancy or infertility or, you know, a lot of loss around, you know, or a lot of issues around, excuse me, postpartum. Um, And so I don't know, I think it's been, and I don't know if you agree with this statement, but I think it's been very difficult for me uh, navigating health issues postpartum and pregnancy because they put you into this cookie cutter like box. And I feel like if you're in good health or whatever they think, you know, they put you in this box and they say, oh yeah, this is like, you're fine. Like it'll be fine. Just figure it out. Or like, these are normal symptoms or like this could happen. It's fine. And one of the things that I'm learning most, I think about doing these interviews is like, everybody says you have to advocate for yourself. Um, because if you don't, no one else will. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I'm not, I am not a, a professional by any means. Like, I, you know, none of us are, but sometimes neither are the doctors. That's why, like, even cancer patients, they tell you, go get a second opinion or, like, you know, whatever. Um, and so sometimes the doctors get it wrong, too. Um And I also wanted to talk about some of the platitudes that people have said to me that like, they think are helpful, but they are not helpful. And uh, yeah, I just, because I think it's so important for people to hear that these comments are not, not helpful in the slightest. And the thing is, is even my own family members, um, sadly, I, I think I had too high, I think I've had high, really high expectations, but, um, and it's hard to navigate because I know people aren't mind readers, none of us are, but I just wish that, you know, we all have our phones on us all the time. Google is at the tip of our fingers. And I just wish that people, if you cared so much that you should Google you know, how to support someone through a miscarriage, what to say, what not to say. And I've had to vocalize that to family members. Um, And it's been hard because I just, I guess I just expected them to do that. We Google everything else in life. Google how how to do X, Y, Z, how to do this, how to do that, what, what to do for this. But we can't Google what to say to someone during a miscarriage or how to support someone through a miscarriage. So I just kind of wanted to go through a few things that um, were said to me um, that were hurtful. Uh, and I, I know the, the people who said them, I know their intentions were not to hurt my feelings, but they did. Um, and so it's just kind of advocating for yourself in that situation too, and, and telling people what you, what you need, what you want. Um, and it's hard because you're navigating something that you may not have experienced in, in dealing with before. And so you're trying to figure it out too. You don't know what you want or what you need sometimes. Um, so what does that sound like? What are some comments that were made to you? Um, and then what are some things that would be better to say to someone supporting them during a miscarriage? So, like I said before, on more than one occasion, comments about my weight were said. Um, and that's hard. I think I think weight is one of those things that it's it's very hard to hear when you're the one that 
people are saying, oh, you need to lose weight or whatever. It's very hard to hear. Sometimes there are conditions that cause you to lose, to gain weight. Like PCOS is actually one of them. Some people who have PCOS, um, there's different types of, there's different like grades of PCOS, I guess you would say. So one of them is insulin, insulin resistance, where um, kind of like diabetes, like your insulin isn't like, isn't working properly and thus will, um, you know, allow you to gain, to gain weight. Um, one of them that was said to me was at least you can get pregnant. Well, that's nice. Uh-huh. At, at least I can get pregnant. Well, that didn't really serve me well, did it? Because I don't have a living child. Uh, so anything with at least just, just don't even say that it just doesn't even work. At, like, at least, you know, think you can get pregnant. At least, you know, things are working properly. Okay, great. Uh, everything happens for a reason. While I do believe that sometimes, um, I don't really think that having your children taken from you is, uh, an everything happens for a reason scenario. Trust God and have faith. Well, I do. Um, I, God has been present in my life ever since I was a baby, you know, being baptized and, um, you know, a, a person of faith and going to church my whole life. But I don't think that that has anything to do with my situation. Uh, work on yourself. You guys are still young. You can try again. That's that's great. But, you know, society has this time clock, um, especially women's bodies. Our biological clock, um, you know, starts ticking it in our 30s. Um, I mean, people are having children older and older these days, but um, you're also wanting to grow with your kids and keep up with your kids. And so it's really hard to like have that being said to you, you know, oh, you're young, you can try again. Relax, don't stress, go on vacation. Yeah, when when do those actually work? Because they don't. Um, it's not your time yet. So like, when is it my time? I'm supposed to, like, I, on both sides of the fence, you know, I want my children to grow up with their cousins. I want these kids to be close in age. Whereas on one side of my family, I don't have, I have cousins that are in in high school and I'm in my thirties. Like we have zero in common, nothing to talk about. Um, So I, you know, I want my nieces and nephews, my children to all grow up together. So I don't really know how, like, it, it just wasn't your time yet. And your time is coming. Like, I don't really know how that kind of plays into something positive, like something that's helpful to me. I feel like a lot of these things are toxic positivity, in my opinion. Um, it was so early. It was just an embryo. That one is a sucker punch, really, because um, it was just an embryo. Does it make it less my child because it wasn't like at that, that stage of pregnancy, like it wasn't a full formed baby? Like that one really, um, really has uh, hurt me the most, I think. Um, one, one of the things that has hurt me the most. Um, this is why they say you shouldn't say anything until after the first trimester. Which is kind of BS to me because it only perpetrates suffering and silence and the stigma of it being so hush-hush and silent. Um, I know how you feel. Um, No, you don't. Unless you've struggled with infertility or loss, you really do not know how it feels, not even by a long shot. 
um, maybe there was something wrong. In the case of our second loss, no, there wasn't anything wrong. My son was perfectly fine. He had all 46 chromosomes, nothing more, nothing less. You need to move on. Okay, that is like overboard. That is crazy. Yeah, uh, and you're not a mom. Those That's ones, bad. Those ones really hurt uh, because, like I said in my previous episode, I am a mother. Life and death came from my body. Um, the second I, that pregnancy test uh, stopped blinking and the word pregnant appeared on the test, uh, everything changed for me. Um, and just like the na- the naive uh, notions that come from this, like, I will never have the same pregnancy experience as my mom or my sister or my sister-in-law or any other people that have not experienced loss. I will never have that experience. I will never have the pregnancy experience where I can be carefree and joyful. I will have anxiety in the back of my mind. I will have to constantly tell myself affirmations of, you know, this is a new pregnancy, a new, this is a new journey, new outcome, different outcome, you know, all these different things, pregnant until proven otherwise. Um, that's just going to be my life moving forward. Um, and so all the toxic positivity um, comments that I mentioned before are just not helpful in the slightest. And another thing I wanted to mention was another um Another like self-help thing that I've learned throughout this journey is there are also several, not only there are there's there not only are there several social media accounts to follow, but there's also a lot of podcasts to follow. Yours is one of them. Um, the Joyful Morning, which is a Christian-based um podcast uh that has a lot of great episodes uh and material um Life After Miscarriage is another one, uh, and I've listened to several episodes in, in, in each of the each of them, Miscarriage Hope Desk, etc. And so there's just so much out there that people can can pull from, whether you're the person experiencing the loss or family family and friends who are trying to support someone through this. Please, 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 from the bottom of my heart seek out these resources, especially family members who are trying to support. It is so exhausting and so time consuming trying to do the things for myself and try to heal myself and also educate others. Um, So please pick up your phone. You have it on you all the time. Um, Google is right there. Educate yourselves and on how to support the person in your life that is going through this awful and traumatic experience. Yeah, um, I honestly, I'm pretty shocked. Well, I am and I'm not, honestly, by the people, like the things, dumbass stuff, sorry, part of my French that people say, because it's like, I mean, my mouth was open, but then I'm like, mm, I don't know, people are, they don't take really the time to like, educate themselves on anything in regards to like stuff they personally haven't experienced, and they should, people should. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I just can't even, I don't even know what to say. Like it's, I think it's helpful that you've highlighted these things because I think it's yet again, someone stepping forward to say like, these are the things you really shouldn't say. Um, and like really take some time to educate yourself on how to support people going through miscarriage. Um, and I just, you know, really appreciate you 
talking about something that has a stigma around it because I think the goal really is to remove these stigmas um, in society. And so I really hope, you know, um, that this helps someone listening. And I think it will for sure. Um, whether it be them navigating um, a friend who's experienced this or a family member or them themselves emotionally, physically navigating miscarriage. So I just wanted to thank you for coming forward to talk about something that's so sensitive to you and your family. Um, and I wish the best. You will be a mom. You are a mom. Um, your baby will get here um, to physical form. Um, you will birth a baby. And I wish the best for you. Um, and just remember you are a mom. And I think that that's important um, just to highlight that you are a mother. Thank you, Mariah. And thank you so much for providing this platform for myself to share my story and for others. Um, and like you said, it's just us talking openly and honestly about our experiences um, during this journey. No two experiences are the same. And I feel like if we could all communicate and pull from each other's stories and learn, um, you know, it definitely can benefit you know, other people, like, for instance, some of the other stories that you, you shared, uh, you know, I'm sure that one mom isn't the only one who went through that. Um, so hopefully that can help somebody else in that situation. And um, with miscarriage um, and re recurrent miscarriage being such a common thing that, that occurs, um, you know, I, I hope that was my whole goal was to educate and also be that support for somebody else. And I also want to say in closing to check in with the fathers too. They grieve too, just in different ways. They've lost their children. They're trying to navigate how to support, be the strong one and support their, their wives, girlfriends, whatever. Um, and, you know, they lost too. They just obviously, it, they weren't the ones pregnant. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a different, there's a lot of different, feelings associated with that but they 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 lost children as well and they're grieving as well um and then just check in often um with the grieving mom the grieving dad not just a month or two later months later a year later etc on the important days um lost dates due dates holidays, whether not even just the big holidays like Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter and those kinds of things, check in with them Mother's Day and Father's Day. I guarantee you, you will be the light in that in their day. Um, and also know that other times of the year are hard too. the back, the, the, you know, the first day of school or the last day of school or all the times in between, it, it, they are hard. And so if somebody we live in a social media world. So if somebody doesn't like your post, you know, don't take it offensively. Um, they're going through things that you have no idea about. Yeah, thank you for highlighting that. And I do think the dads are just as important. We need to focus on them and their grief and how men or women, you know, their spouse or partner are handling um, grief. So yeah, thank you for highlighting that. And um, thanks again for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Moms on the Mic with Mariah. We will see you all back here again next Monday. Go ahead and follow us on Spotify, Apple, and any major podcast platforms. On Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. 
follow us on IG, YouTube, and TikTok at Moms on the Mic with Mariah. And let me know what issues you guys would like to hear on the podcast and any feedback. And also, if you'd like to come on and tell your story, go ahead and throw me a DM. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys next Monday. Another story from another lovely person. See ya.